0: heart's doing <laughs> crazy couple weeks right for the Jayhawks crazy couple weeks for people who like NFL teams wow what a time right January almost February the Super Bowl is right around the corner Ooh, sorry the big game is right around the corner I'm not using it for monetary purposes it's the Super Bowl and college basketball is well and truly right about to hit that That final stretch. Yeah, the Big 12 SEC Challenge will be tomorrow on Saturday. Sitting here recording this on a Friday, posting on Friday. So if you're listening to this before the KU-Kentucky game, yeah, I I consider the Big 12 SEC Challenge right there at the end of January, right there in the middle of conference play is a little weird. Yeah, it is, but I kind of dig it. You know, it's something different. Right, we kind of get lost in the non-conference shuffle in November, December, get lost in a lot of NFL stuff, which you still do this time of year. But in the college basketball schedule, it's kind of a standalone kind of thing. Non-conference play while everyone else is sort of playing boring conference games. Ugh, Florida State's taking on Georgia Tech. Whatever. Give me Baylor. Give me Alabama. Alabama. Give me, of course, Kansas and Kentucky. We'll get into that matchup. I actually did a little bit of research <laughs> to prepare you for, today, for tomorrow's game. But we, of course, need to touch on really some insta-classics, if you will, that happened since the last time we talked. Kansas K-State followed immediately by Kansas and Texas Tech on Big Monday. First things first. This is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show and the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast home for our professionals. We have a believe in our teams. Do you believe? Mm-hmm. Here's what I believe. I don't really come away from those two games feeling that much better by Kansas. Oops, went there, said it. Everyone is making a mess of themselves by saying, Oh my God, what a classic on Monday. Oh, my God, my heart just can't take it. KUK State, the Chiefs on Sunday. For me, was the Rams. And then KU Texas Tech on Big Monday. Oh, my God, give my heart a rest. So I think this might be kind of a long episode. So hopefully you're on a walk. Hopefully you are in a comfortable place. Hopefully you're doing something where the background noise is something that you kind of want to listen to as well. Uh, But there's a lot to get to. I was going to get into how I did my first wordle today. Yeah, I got the buzz. Looked fun. Took me until the the very last turn. I got my word perky. had every letter except for one on the second to last. I put pervy. I was like, oh, what does it say about me? But it, it gave me the information I needed. So, uh, yeah, send me your wordles. I love to see the colors of the Jamaican flag all over my Twitter. It's like, wow, there's a lot of reggae enthusiasts. Oh, no, they just love vocabulary. (laughs) Anyways, that's that. Let's get to the hoops, shall we? So since we last talked, Kansas has played two nail biters, one on the road in Manhattan, where it did not look sold out, Passionate, loud, yes. Sold out, no. (laughs) Love the pearl clutching for Kansas players waving goodbye to the the KU, sorry, to the K-State student section. Love the pearl clutching from a beat writer for K-State when Christian Brown threw the basketball into the stands after an emphatic come-from-behind victory. All the while, all the while, you know, the entire student section in the arena was doing a chant of F K U. It's just with that fan base, it's just a whole lot of giving, but not being able to take it. You want the rivalry? K U treats it like a rivalry, like a heated rivalry, and you're like, ah, how dare you? So that's K State. Uh, shout out to Nigel Pack. Shout out to Marquise Noel. Boy, were they excellent for the Wildcats. I told you, who's to look out for Nigel Pack, and I briefly just slid it in, or, yeah, for the Wildcats, and it was Nigel Pack. And all he did was score 35 points. Eight of 12 three-point shots. The guy was in fuego; It was unbelievable. For real, shout out Nigel Pack. You see him walk off the bus. You see him on the court. Doesn't really look like much. But what form, what a quick release, and what an excellent shooter until the three-pointer that mattered, right? <laughs> Put it on Bruce Weber if you want. Lack of organization, play call. But a contested long three-point shot in order to try and tie the game was probably not the best order of business for K-State. There's three-point shot, and then there's about five steps behind the three-point line with a hand in your face. Great contest, by the way, on that shot. I thought Kansas' defense was embarrassing. Obviously, in the first half when they gave up 50 points to a team that ended up only scoring 25 in the second half. Yes, regression to the mean. Yes, a rivalry game. But it kind of came down to a point where the same thing was happening. Like, Bill Self infinitely knows way more basketball than I will ever. In fact, he's forgotten more about basketball than I ever will. That's the saying, and it's the the correct truth. But for goodness sake, it was Marquise Noel every single time driving into the lane and driving in order to create. And yes, he tossed in some ridiculous layups. What was the one in the first half, right? He was essentially butt on the hardwood, tosses the ball up at the rim. It goes in for an and one. What are you going to do? But the guy was way too fast. Kansas was completely abused on the pick and rolls with Marquise Noel. And he did that drive towards the basket, toss it behind his head to a trailing big man move. What? Three, four times, if not more. Fool me once. Shame on me. Or sorry, shame on you. I'm so heated right now. I don't even know my classic sayings. Fool me 17 times. Maybe we should make an adjustment and realize what's happening. The few times Kansas contained that pick and roll with Noel, the big man or whoever was being switched, blitzed Noel off of the screen, made him have to back it up, and it gave Kansas' defense a moment to recover. You heard it on the broadcast. It was the truth. Miguel, the guard for K-State, only could dribble with his right hand, could not dribble with his left, could not drive. He was not a jump shooter. You saw that late in the game when he clanged a three-point shot off the side of the rim, barely. And yet he had 11 points because Kansas allowed him to get to his right hand, drive powerfully with the only hand that he's reasonable with, and get to the free throw line a little bit here or there. I thought K-State's big men were atrocious. Bradford and then is a, is Izagu. I apologize. I watched the whole game and still don't know his name. You know, the the difference of the game was, of course, KU's energy and just their try factor, which is a little bit embarrassing to say that. You know, once they were down fifty to thirty-four, they're like, "Should we try now?" All right, let's show some passion. But they did. Kansas attacked voraciously. The offensive glass, 18 offensive rebounds. I would be willing to bet 17 of those came in the second half. Kansas had 18 offensive rebounds. Kansas state had 23 rebounds total. Kansas for a total had 45. So there was your effort. There was your passion. And once that started happening, the shooting numbers are not pretty. Five of 21 from three for the Jayhawks, but they were attacking the offensive glass, extra possessions, making things happen, you're probably going to sense a theme when I get into the Texas Tech game, and especially K.J. Adams, in terms of effort, keeping things alive. These little things go a long way. So Kansas wins that game at K-State. And here's the thing. I, I went into, yes, last week's show, talking about the gauntlet, this crazy stretch that Kansas is on in terms of opponents, including K-State, road rivalry game. You know, is it a great team? No. K-State really regre- regressed to the mean and got annihilated by Baylor in their following game. These things happen against Kansas. And I'd love your thoughts on everything that I'm going to talk about here. I'd love your thoughts just in general. How's your wordle going? Let me know. Twitter, at Nasty 90 Instagram, at N 310 And I preface this next segment of the show with what we talked about last week, because my whole thing was you got this crazy six game stretch coming up. I believe it was six games. And I was like, what are you looking for in terms of record for me? Losing home games is not an option. And on top of that, I acknowledged that yes, the road game at K-State's tough, but like, I could have a little give and take here and there on the record over the stretch based on how Kansas played. So they win these two games, but do I feel much better about KU's form? I'm not sure that I do. Mostly the Texas tech game. I was pretty heated after that game and a little disappointed that I've cornered myself into waiting until the end of the week for these recordings. Should have done one of those hot, you know, Insta-reaction pods, but I didn't. Anyways, here's the thing about the Texas Tech game. So I'll give Kansas a little leeway for the rivalry game on the road. Jalen Wilson, a little shook in the first half, was really excited about how he bounced back in the second half against Kansas State. He had an entire stadium yelling, D-U-Y, D-U-Y at him every time he touched the ball. And is it deserved? Yes, I've been pretty harsh about the whole situation on these airwaves. But mentally, he shook it off after the initial shock. And I thought he played a pretty good second half, as did the whole team, obviously. But then there's the Texas Tech game. So here is my deal with the KU Texas Tech game. Let's get the positives out of the way. Ocha Abaji, oh my goodness, how good is he? Wow, what a year. National Player of the Year favorite? Probably now. That's the beauty of Big Monday. Kansas plays a lot of Big Monday games, and it's an opportunity for everyone to watch that game. They're going to play Kentucky on Saturday. It's an opportunity for everyone to watch that game. You know, you play a big rivalry game on the road, it's an opportunity for people to figure out how to subscribe for ESPN+. Plus. But, you know, people probably watch that game. And he scores the game winner against K State. Beautiful move, by the way, floating in the air, avoiding contact, able to lay it home softly. So, Otre Abaji, oh my God, how fun is he? Amazing. Abaji was great, undoubtedly. That's, no one's arguing that. KJ Adams, wow, what an impact. The numbers don't say anything six points, whatever. He only gets credit for four rebounds. But the amount of hands he got on offensive rebounds, just keeping plays alive. Uh, I think of the key moment in overtime where they, I think they got an extra possession right, because KJ Adams just got his hand on the missed shot and was able to bounce back, I believe, to Christian Brown. Unbelievable. But in terms of Kansas as a whole and in that Texas Tech game, and let me throw a little one more caveat in there for Kansas, for them to to hang their hat on. So you're on the road in Manhattan. Yes, they bust back, and they they are back home by Saturday night. But then you have one day of rest, and you play a rough-and-tumble, physical, mentally demanding team in Texas Tech on Big Monday. One day of essential rest before you play a really tough team in the Red Raiders. So, I will give them all of that. And I am the king of, hey, these are college kids. You can't really expect crazy consistency. Oh, excuse me, Siri. Do you mind? I'm in a rant. (laughs) Um, That's how much I'm talking with my hands. I lifted with my hands up close to my face, and my watch thought I was talking to it. Anywho, like it's you watch the NBA, you know what you're going to get. Those guys are. Unbelievable. And how about Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid, the two of them making the All-Star team? Both of them All-Star starters, actually. Wiggins finally fulfills his prophecy. Joel Embiid might be the MVP. He's crazy. So let me throw all those caveats in there. I understand. Basketball's hard. Texas Tech is good. But here is the situation. This is where... The Jayhawks were sitting to finish that game with six minutes to go. So slightly above one more TV timeout. Texas Tech is at the brink of losing all hope. 12-point game. Six minutes to go at Allen Fieldhouse. That, my friends, Is the exact recipe. If I pull open my Kansas Jayhawks cookbook recipe for success right there, probably on like page three or four. No, first page is have more talented players than most of the teams in your conference. Page two, Hall of Fame coach, make the right hire. Again, better than like, say, I don't know, Bruce Weber. The next page, or one after, have a big lead heading into the final TV timeout at home in in all likelihood the best home court advantage in college basketball. 12-point lead, six minutes, you score five points the rest of the way. I don't know what what it is about the droughts and this group. Like, they just forget to score the basketball. It's actually unbelievable. But talk about bad timing. And talk about something that a veteran team with championship aspirations should really know better than. Again, that's a 12-point lead with six minutes to go at the field house. That's when other teams stop trying because they're like, ugh, with this crowd and that humongous bird right there on the court stretching from three-point line to three-point line. Yeah, this isn't our night, boys. Credit to Mark Adams. Credit to the Red Red Raiders, wow. And especially credit to Bryson Williams, 33 points. I I think Bryson Williams is right there on first team all hammers Kansas. He's got to be what he did with UTEP last year, and now two separate performances as a Red Raider. (laughs) Look, some guys just got your number. It's going to be Bryson Williams. I'm thinking Lace Darius Dunn's got to be up there, right? Former Baylor guard. How about that name? That's a pull. Send me your thoughts. In fact, I think Kansas went up by like nine at one point in the first half, and they obviously went on a run in the second half. I'm thinking to myself, well, this Texas Tech team isn't really renowned for their scoring ability. Defensively elite, yes. Texas Tech defensively, unbelievable. But you get a nine-point lead. Like, that was the cushion. A six-point lead even at halftime. And Kansas gave it up, and they had to go to double overtime. And it's a travesty to me. Honestly, that is a travesty. Yes, they secured the game-winning rebound. Ochai Baji had the rebound in his hands, lost his balance, reached out, Touched the baseline out of bounds and that gave Texas tech the ball right back in order to tie the game in regulation. Maybe he cuts his fingernails the day and Kansas squeaks out of there. But to me, honestly, the fact that it even got that close and there's a few moments and one of them Ochai Abaji. at the moment, first team, all big 12, big 12 player of the year, probably national player of the year as we speak. But There was a moment Kansas gets a defensive stop, which was few and far between late in the second half. There's an outlet to Abaji. Instead of the Jayhawks going back up by nine, he blew the layup, and it was an open layup. I'm not sure a lot of people remember that because a lot of Kansas fans and a lot of Kansas podcasts like to focus on how amazing that game was. It was a tight game, yes. It was back and forth and it had a last second shot, which, whew, my heart, right? Theme of the show. But he hits that layup. That's probably the game sealer. And how many times this season is Kansas going to give up a back breaking offensive rebound? This time off a missed free throw, they allow the Red Raiders to get that offensive rebound, give them an extra possession further cut into the lead and make things into essentially making diamonds time. That's how tight it was. People were creating diamonds all throughout the field house. So how good do I feel about that Texas tech win? Honestly, it's whatever bright spots, but probably more questions for me heading into like a a game against Kentucky. I don't feel great. I don't, and I said this right before Kansas lost to Texas Tech in Lubbock, obviously. I said this didn't feel like this team was together. I didn't have that feeling of invincibility that eventually came with the 2020 squad before their season was ruined, before, say, like the 2011 team when Marcus Morris was the player, uh, the, the, the Big 12 player of the year. Yeah, not every team I feel that way wins the national championship, obviously. But you can tell when a team has a mental aptitude and is ready to take a game by the neck and finish it off. And I I don't feel that from this group quite yet. And so let's get into the topic really quickly. Remy Martin came in, played well, created some offensive juice, a little bit of spark, right? Four points, whatever. Five assists, though. And what he did is he got into the lane. And I was remarking, he must be feeling better because before he was clearly just drifting around the, the perimeter, unwilling to get down there and bang bodies and maybe hurt that knee more. But he got into the teeth of the defense. He found open shooters. He passed up open shots for even better shots. He was electric. He was a provider. And he didn't play in the second half. And he didn't play in overtime. And so Twitter was on fire. Dwan Harris was like, fine. So there's two schools of thought for this whole argument, right? Kansas offensively was inept down the stretch. If only they had a jitterbug point guard who could make things happen off of the bounce, which no one else on this roster can do. God forbid, right? And then there's the idea, which I'm sure Bill Self, and in, in his press conference he said, you know, we love what Remy did, but, like, you look out there, who are you going to take off? And everyone's like, it's pretty clear you take off the court. Because you have Dewan Harris in there for his defense. But do you know what Texas Tech was doing just about every single time offensively? How many post moves did you see especially so when Texas Tech in the second half was going right across our screen to the to the end of the court to the basket in front of the Texas Tech road bench right there in the fore foreground to that side of the basket so if you're facing the behind you're facing behind the basket to the left of the stanchion closer to the benches they found a big man every single time be it Santos Silva, be it Terrence Shannon, be it especially Bryson Williams and Kevin O'Banner. And they were pinpointing and getting switches, and they had the bigger players because Texas Tech doesn't run with a natural point guard, as Fran Frischilla pointed out several times. And they backed down Dewan Harris constantly. So defensively, the argument doesn't stand because he wasn't getting it done because he was in a mismatch just about every possession. In fact, the biggest stop of the game when Kansas finally sealed the win was when K.J. Adams was in the game, and he was the one who finally walled off Bryson Williams. Williams tried to back him down. Couldn't get anywhere. K.J. Adams, too strong, too big. Tried to get around him. He's too fast. And it was a tough, contested look. But then there was a thread on Twitter later in the night where a writer who was sitting across from the Kansas bench could directly see coaches' reaction throughout the game. And he specifically noted when Remy Martin would do something just slightly off defensively, didn't keep his hands up as he's supposed to to either deflect a pass or just make it tough for passing lanes. And he was saying Bill Self would throw his hands in the air. He would say uh, Kurt Townsend would put his face in his hands he said those coaches were all over remy martin and they'd get back to the bench telling him essentially about the missed assignments and the little details that he didn't do and that's what they love about dewan harris and that's why he's in the game same exact action was referenced dewan harris this time keeps his hands up deflects a pass blows up the offensive possession for texas tech but in a double overtime game where texas tech Eventually scores 91 points, no you know, 75 in regulation for not necessarily the most high flying Phoenix Suns type of offense out there. You know, how much deflecting, how much of a nuisance did DeWan Harris really create for Texas Tech? Did a guy go for a career high in points in a middle of the road scoring team? put 75 on you in regulation and 91 overall. Didn't seem like he created that much of a nuisance, but that's just me. I get it. I get it. Bill self is fiercely loyal. And when he looks out on the court, he wants to know exactly what to expect. Should we talk a little Kansas, Kentucky really quick. I know this is going on a while and I apologize, but here's the deal you got the top two winningest programs of all time clashing. I've talked about the all-time win, wins record. Kentucky is only three wins up on Kansas as a program. For me, this comes down to pretty simply uh, the board battle. I talk about it all the time, but you got the number one offensive rebounding team of the nation in Kentucky, led mostly by, yes, Oscar Shiboy former West Virginia Mountaineer, who when he left West Virginia was like, oh, thank goodness. They don't have to deal with him anymore because Sheboy is a monster. But did you know David McCormack is the number one offensive rebounding by percentage player in the country? That via ESPN. But I'm worried about the gang rebounding. I'm worried about the athleticism of Kentucky, and I'm worried about Oscar Sheboy, who, yes, I figured he was the leading rebounder for Kentucky. That was a given. 15.2 rebounds per game. Holy Toledo. But I was also impressed that he's the leading scorer for Kentucky at just over 16 points a a night. So here's the deal with Kentucky. Here's what I'm looking for. This is what's going to worry me. I'm worried about Shavir Weaver, the point guard for Kentucky, driving much like much like Marquise Noel did for K-State, getting into the teeth of KU's defense and kicking it out to Kellen Grady, who's a good three-point shooter. I'm worried about the missed shots for Kentucky getting turned into volleyball matches because anytime KU faces Kentucky, that tends to be the biggest issue. Just the ball is getting batted just pop, 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 pop right off the glass. Kansas is going to have to gang rebound. McCormack, Jalen Wilson's going to have to get in there. They might have to play KJ Adams out there as a second big. And Abaji and Brown are going to have to come down. We know Brown does this pretty well. But Abaji with, with his athleticism and strength, will have to come down and help with the rebounding effort. He will. Injury news. We talked about him a decent amount in the offseason, right? But Kentucky recruit. And top prospect Ty Ty Washington, who shunned Kansas to go to Kentucky. Rolled his ankle pretty badly last Saturday in their game against Auburn. Your number one team in the nation, by the way. Sounds like he's going to play tomorrow, but that is not a for sure. Oscar shibway and Jacob Toppin also hurt their ankles against Mississippi State this past Tuesday. They sound fine. Sheboy came back and played against Mississippi State. Toppin ended up coming back with about a minute left in overtime, which lends me to believe that his is a bit more severe, but he did come back and play. And yes, Jacob Toppin, the younger brother who transferred into Kentucky. Uh, he's the younger brother of Obi Toppin. who Kansas fans should be very familiar with the former Dayton flyer, current New York Nick. So, I'm not going to do a game pick for this one because I'm biased. But I do think Kansas is a deserved favorite in this one, especially with the home court advantage. I think the biggest key, like I mentioned, will be keeping Wheeler, who transferred from Georgia, Kentucky. How about that? Enter SEC. How naughty is that? So Wheeler getting into the lane. And I think Kansas needs to control Kentucky's outside shooting because if that's falling, combined with Kentucky's likely advantage on the boards i'm just going to give that to them if kansas can if kansas can manage that that would be perfect but shibway the rest of the, the rest of the wildcats are going to get after it so as long as it's contested twos as opposed to a number of threes being made by kentucky i think kansas and their offense you know depending who's running the point guard should be able to put up enough points It'll be interesting. I really hope Kansas wins because I really want that all-time wins record to start to creep even closer. And who knows? Maybe by the end of the year, KU has overtaken Kentucky. That'd be pretty sick. All right, give me your thoughts. A lot was thrown out there today. A lot. Um, But you can always catch me on social media: Jonas90 Twitter, JonasN310 on the gram. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the weekend. Should be a really crazy weekend. I know a lot of people who are listening to the show are for the most part down in the breadbasket of the Midwest. So uh, for the most part, myself and then everyone else listening has rooting interests for the NFL games. Should be a lot of fun. Well, I think the Chiefs are going to destroy Cincinnati. But who knows? Anywho, I enjoyed the Kentucky game versus All Kansas. Eight, two. Enjoy the NFL games. Enjoy what's left of January, if that's possible. I look forward to speaking with you next week after probably some more heart-wrenching action. And until then, uh, maybe check your cholesterol so that way the games don't affect you too much. But I bid you adieu. As always,